0: Hi, I'm Chris, and welcome to Super Tasters.
1: <laughs> whoa, whoa! First of all, that's definitely going in the show. Second of all, how dare you? <laughs> Too real. Uh, I. We've talked about this. Like, can can we do remote super tasters? We're not even eating the same soup. Like, we could be getting different brands of the thing. We are going to each prepare them independently. Like, it's going to be a different experience.
0: Really, just call the whole thing into question.
1: Yeah. Plus, it's half the fun is the uh, doing the ridiculous three-camera shoot.
2: <laughs> I should really watch Super Tasters at some point. Also, hi, I'm Hallie. Hi, Hallie. This is... Uh, what show is this? Yes.
1: Uh, this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. I'll send you a link, uh, Hallie, to the, my favorite Super Tasters episode. They're all like three minutes long, so it's not a big time sink.
2: All right. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited about it. I've always wanted to get into Super Tasters, but haven't known (laughs) where to start. So I really appreciate this.
1: Uh, but if you watch the best one first, then the rest will be worse than that.
2: Uh that's tricky. Can you send me like the third best one?
1: Uh yeah, I can do that. Sweet. Uh Chris, would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug?
2: Hi, I'm Chris. I
0: thought I <laughs> I thought I introduced myself. Uh do I have anything to plug? Not that comes to mind right now.
1: Did you ship your tavern thing where you explore a tavern and then I the game did. ends?
0: <gasps> I did. We shipped it, people played it. It was enjoyed. It was fun.
1: Is it still playable? Can you play it still?
0: It is absolutely still playable. I should probably plug core in general, actually. Um, sure. at the risk of sounding like a corporate shill. The place where I'm working now, Manticore Games, has a really, really cool product, which is a game creation system kind of like maybe Dreams or Fortnite Creative or things like that. And it is really cool. It's the the kind of secret sauce is that it makes it really easy to make networked multiplayer games and you know even experienced developers can have trouble putting in networking especially if it's you know late history history is littered with the games that uh, have awesome couch co-op and then people are like oh man can we play it online and they're like no couch co-op only for artistic reasons
2: there are a lot of people like that out there (laughs) y'all So
0: many, so many, so many really great games. Like, well, especially now when, like, being able to play over the internet is becoming increasingly vital to just, I don't know, I don't even know how much of my social interaction these days is playing games with people over the internet, but probably upwards of 90%. Yeah. It's a really cool thing. You can code games in Lua, and it's very flexible. You can make multiplayer games with your friends. One of these days, I'm going to sit down and just make, like, a good co-op dungeon crawl or something just because i want to play it with people and we have been like looking for a good dungeon crawl but it's really cool and i recommend people check it out especially i think it's a good match for people who are wondering like man i have this like young human in my life who is thinking about how they'd like to learn how to program i wonder what a good environment is like this actually feels like a good one to throw people because it's very easy to get something up and running fast and start modifying behaviors quickly and easily and, and playing, really, just playing with the creation. And that's that's how you get them. That's how we get little programmers, and they grow up to be awesome programmers. All right, that's my plug.
2: I feel judged about the couch co-op. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, I don't know if that this history is has been established. Hallie, you worked on Jamestown.
2: I did absolutely work on Jamestown. I did uh, a lot of the gameplay coding. I right. think
0: it is, in fact, the finest 2 d 'em up bullet hell game set on British Colonial Mars that I know of. Well, possibly the best ever.
2: Oh, thank you. Uh, perhaps one day it will be topped, but... <laughs> By Jamestown 2! I mean, maybe. I, I, I know of no such beast. But yeah. Hi, I'm Hallie. I said that already, too. I do not have anything to plug at the moment. I might have something to plug in a bit. I'm starting to work on working up what might be a podcast on sort of an oral history of cribbage and other like folk card games. And that's coming together. Oh, very good. Slowly, but thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. Is
1: this a, is this a the kind of podcast that you do a bunch of homework to do?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm not sure when I'm plugging it for. Right. But I'm pretty excited about it.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, should we just have one of the topics be like the dark history
2: of cribbage? I once I know what it is. (laughs) Fair.
1: (laughs) We'll come back on the show and we'll talk about it.
2: Yay. But yeah, no, we're planning on playing card games with a bunch of people and like talking about their family history and how they learned it and looking at themes of like how ritualized interaction helps form our identity and our links to our communities. Anyway, that's me. Very cool. Are uh, ready to start on some topics? Absolutely.
0: I still say you need a gong after you say that. Now on to topics. Gong. Uh, like that.
2: All the best claw machines have gongs. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Chris, your topic is the Pokemon Sylveon is supposed to be cute, but it freaks me out, and let me tell you why.
2: Oh, man.
0: Let me tell you why. I want to know. So. In Pokemon there's this cute little like brown dog fox thing called Eevee that is unique because it can turn into like I've lost track at this point like 8 or 10 different things depending on the circumstances and they all have like different elemental themes and it's supposed to be like the idea is it's like it evolves or it like changes based on its environment it's kind of cool they're all cute it's kind of probably one of the best known mascots after Pikachu they don't have a type for every type in Pokemon, but they have a lot of them and A couple of years ago, they decided that for balance reasons they were going to add a new type to Pokemon that didn't exist and so they added fairy types these are the idea the idea is like these are like weird, cute, magical pixie things, and for balance reasons they were needed because they provide a check to dragon Pokemon, which were at that point overrunning the meta, which I know is a ridiculous thing to say, that the Pokemon meta was being overrun by dragons, but it's the truth, and fairies stopped that, and things are probably better now. Anyways, adding a new type is not something they do very often. Like, they wanted to make a big show of it, so of course they wanted to make sure they had at least one kind of, like, flagship cute Pokémon that they could show off to everyone is like, see, look look at this new thing we added. So they added a thing called Sylveon, which, like all of the things that Eevee turns into, is like this little quadruped with features. <laughs> now, most of them, like, you know, the features usually kind of fit in with what it's supposed to be doing. Like, the, the electric one has like, really jagged fur and it's all... <laughs> yellow and looks like a little lightning bolt. And the fire one is all floofy and has like red fur that kind of looks like flames and so on. For the fairy one, they're like, okay, well, it's like all cute, and so it's got, like, it's all pink and it's got ribbons and it's a pastel color scheme and great. The thing is, like, then you start wondering things like, well, okay, so how come they always have ribbons? They always have someone dressing them up? Well, it turns out that canonically, those ribbons are weird feelers that it has coming out of its head.
2: Hell yeah. <laughs> this, is, this, this
0: isn't like some weird fan theory, by the way. Let me go find the – let me get the Pokedex entry where it describes it, because it's kind of horrific to describe. Let's see. Here we go. Here, here are a few canonical things they have to say about it. Its ribbon-like feelers give off an aura that weakens hostility in its prey, causing them to let down their guard. Then it attacks. Hell yeah. <laughs> when this Pokemon sights its prey, it swirls its ribbon-like feelers as a distraction. A moment later, it pounces.
1: I, I feel like this is a a common, like, what, a, a little bit of body horror that people get when they realize that, like... All the Pokemon that look like they're wearing clothes, like that's actually just part of their skin.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's, there's there's definitely some of that. There's also, canonically, it also like can extend them to super huge distances, kind of like Spider-Man
2: and like <gasps> grab things. I don't understand why this is, why any of these are bad things. <laughs> they're not bad, but they're a little creepy.
0: Like, I mean, so are fairies. That's a good point, and these definitely fall into more of the kind of European OG fairies that are, like, not there to grant wishes, but are there to, like, steal children and leave rusty nails in their place or something. Yeah. I find it creepy. Also, this one I could live with, but on top of everything else, it has really creepy eyes. They have no pupils. They're just these solid, giant, anime-sized, kind of pastel blue orbs, and... You put it all together, and I i am not sure I want this thing around. I think I want to make sure I've got some cold iron on hand, just in case it gets a little bit feely.
2: That's fine. You have all your steel types around.
0: They did, in fact, make very weak to steel, as it ought to be.
2: Which I loved, which is my favorite thing. So, if my biases here have not already come across... um. When I saw that this was a topic in the topic bucket, I started just looking up Sylveon plushies because I don't have one and I'm sad that I don't. Uh, (laughs) That sounds like a bias. It is. It is. I don't know. I like them. Um, So the thing about the pastel color scheme, Sylveon, is that it happens to be the same color scheme as the trans flag. So (laughs) uh, people uh, in my circles have gravitated hard towards Sylveon there is a lot of so oh, that is cool i had no idea oh yeah so like i kind of really like the like cute fairy dog that will fuck your shit up when you're not looking vibe that she has or they have i mean i mean sylvia actually
0: <laughs> i was hoping to find a clip of it but i know i saw a clip at one point of like a bird flying and the sylvia and just like A bunch of feelers, like, whip out and grab it, like, 30 feet up in the air and, like, slam it into the ground. And, like, this is a little more brutal than I expected out of this thing, but
2: okay. I really want to play that game now.
1: (laughs) Do you know which came first, Sylveon or the trans flag? I mean,
2: the the trans flag came first.
0: I'm pretty sure the flag. Uh, did it? Okay. Sylveon is pretty recent, like, within the last, I want to say five years?
1: is it is a very specific color scheme
2: i had never made that connection either that's really cool it is a color scheme that has cropped up a few other places because it's like stereotypical like like kids boys room color stereotypical kids girls room color and then like a white oh
1: sure yeah
2: and so you do see it in a couple other places but yeah like there are folks out there who think who think it's intentional
0: oh man just one other thing to throw out there like all the Pokemon have like some little title attached to them. Like Bulbasaur is is a seed Pokemon. Charmander is a lizard Pokemon. Well, Sylveon is an entwining Pokemon. Yes. Sorry, intertwining Pokemon. Yes. So make of <laughs> that what you will. Also, it bugs me a little bit that it's asymmetrical, but that's just my symmetry bias showing, I think. Like it's got a ribbon, which we know is like a, a growth of flesh on one ear. And then it's got like one on its neck like a bow tie. But like, why only one ear? Like, what would make that evolve like that? Like, it's like those weird deep sea fish where their eyes don't quite match up, so they can lie flat on their side and still have the eyes on the top.
2: It's it's a cute displacer beast.
0: <laughs> That's a good way to describe it. It doesn't have the weird illusionary thing, but it does have the tentacles. That you know of. Fair. Probably can learn double team. That probably counts.
2: So I was recently playing the the Spider-Man Miles Morales, and now I just, like, can't get out of my head a game <laughs> where you are Sylveon just swinging around whatever, whatever city, Pokemon city you want to be in, like.
0: Eating birds.
2: Eating birds, avoiding <laughs> cold iron.
0: That actually does sound kind of rad.
2: I want to play this game. Can you make this, can you make this your dungeon crawler? <laughs> We'll see. A fairly talented developer on our team did
0: actually just show off a day or two ago that he'd made a Spider-Man style grapple for like grappling to arbitrary geometry in the level.
2: So
1: oh, yeah. who
0: knows? I promise nothing.
2: That's fair. That's a good way to be. Are we, are we ready for another topic?
0: I've, I've exhausted everything I wanted to say, and as usual in topic lords, am delighted that it went to like places I never foresaw. <laughs> On to the next. Gone. Let's topic.
2: <laughs>
1: Hallie, your topic is savory French toast.
2: Okay, so the other day, I, I got to my pandemic baking phase late and had a bunch of chicken stock. I had the last of the turkey stock left over for when we made absurdly too much Thanksgiving food for just the two of us, right? And I decided to what it would happen if I made a loaf of bread with turkey stock in it. And it ended up really good. But Mm -hmm. Lori did not want to eat any of it because it's turkey-flavored bread. And that's fair. (laughs) But she said, and was right, that it would make really good stuffing. And I realized that, like, stuffing is basically bread pudding. And bread pudding and French toast are very similar things, right? Yeah. So, like, why can't I <laughs> okay. just make stuffing, but in the form of French toast? This seems like a good idea. It was.
0: You go too far. <laughs> you play gods.
2: <laughs> I enjoyed it. I So I took this turkey bread and soaked it in, like, eggs and herbs and all that, and I made myself a really good piece of savory French toast. I don't know if there's more to this topic, but it was good.
1: Yeah, I... I feel like this is such a good idea that it has to be an established cuisine somewhere in the world.
0: Right? So I assume you didn't put like, syrup on it afterwards because you're going for savory.
2: Right. No, I didn't. Um, I might have put a little hot sauce on it. What I would love to do is make a sandwich with it. Do you like a Monte Cristo, maybe?
1: Oh, yeah. Like this is. I just searched for this, and there are a ton of recipes. This is... Uh, you've stumbled on... Uh, a very good idea that a lot of people also all other other people also had. Yay. Nice.
2: It's good that way because then I don't have to do more work. <laughs> That's
1: right.
0: <laughs> you can just be like, "Internet, tell me more about where I, I can take this idea." Yep.
1: Like a, a French a French toast is basically like a a sweet omelet where there's a lot more bread than egg. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So, I feel like what this implies is that you could add sugar and cinnamon to eggs and just eat that.
2: <laughs> just so we flipped it and made and made sweet omelets?
0: I mean I've made omelets where it was the inside was like cream cheese and strawberry jelly, for example. Oh like that is a fine omelet. That sounds good. I just kind of grew up with that omelet. It's like, an omelet my mom would make occasionally, so I just do it with a normal thing. But you said sweet omelets as though it wasn't a normal thing, so now I don't know what to believe.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just did a search for sweet omelets, and there are also a ton of those. So apparently, everybody on the show is a culinary genius. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did just finish, not not to brag or anything, but I did just finish watching the fourth season of Food Wars. So
2: <laughs> I'm looking at someone's blog that says sweet omelet or breadless french toast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess that's a way of looking at it. I mean really just the the moral of the story I think it's just eggs are amazing and you can just
2: they really are, they're so versatile.
0: I'm always amazed when I make brownies and I'm just like this would not work if I didn't have eggs. I just got a bunch of good things, I just kind of put them in a bowl with a little bit of flour and then just it magically sticks together and bakes and thanks eggs.
1: <laughs> yeah. If they didn't have eggs, they'd have to invent Elmer's glue.
0: Or something, like some kind of binding thing. But like the the amount of things where – I don't know much of it, but every so often I feel like I, I should just appreciate the amount of like just chemistry that goes into cooking for like making things. Yeah. Make, like weird reactions that are just happening on a chemical level when we're doing basic cooking things. And eggs seem to like have a lot of them in that. And again, like I, I – eggs are kind of great. I'm really glad I live on a world that has eggs.
2: They are both incredible and edible. <laughs> all of those things, yeah. I have a question. Where do soufflés fit into all this?
1: I'm going to have to remind myself what a soufflé is.
0: It's like an inflated omelette.
1: Oh, so you, you get out the bicycle pump.
0: <laughs> yeah, like you you whip it real good before... If, uh, if
1: Dig Dug were a chef.
0: Dig Dug were a chef, <laughs> You like whip it really fluffy i think you might it might be one of those ones for you separate out the egg whites
2: and whip them separately or something it looks like that's what it is which gets into that chemistry of yours again
1: it looks to me like souffles are both sweet and savory so they can be yeah
0: yeah kind of like crepes oh sure when i first met Hallie, in fact we were working at a place called leapfrog and we were across the street from a place that had a lot of kinds of food, really, but one of them that sold crepes, and that was where I became introduced to crepes. And we were always going there for lunch, so I'd always have crepes that were, you know, lunchy, savory things, like avocado and cheese and chicken and things. And it was only way later that I discovered that everyone else thought that crepes meant dessert, and I was really confused.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I I think um, sweet crepes are more common, but they're totally – you could totally make a good, delicious, savory crepe.
0: There's an entire chain called the crepe vine that is basically dedicated to exactly that art.
1: Right.
2: Yeah, get like a nice ham and cheese, ham and cheese one. It's like some brie. Oh, maybe some asparagus in there.
1: I need to keep this in mind. Like I uh, I will occasionally uh, make crepes for breakfast on a weekend for my family. And I always forget that I could make savory ingredients as well as sweet ones. Gotta got to get some like eggs and sautéed mushrooms. Oh, yeah.
0: I used to make the laziest breakfast sometime. But, you know, there's that magic trick where no matter how lazy it is, if someone else is preparing it and it's hot and it smells good and tastes OK, then it's still really great. It so nobody is. really complained. But it was it was basically just like I would grill up some onions and mushrooms and potatoes in a pan. Until, you know, I had kind of like sort of hash brownie things and some caramelized onions. And then I would just dump a bunch of eggs on the whole thing and stir until it was basically like scrambled eggs with like a bunch of junk in them. And it was more junk than eggs. Like, you know, because there's like potato chunks in there and onions and bacon and various and just a bunch of things that I thought tasted good. And it kind of worked, and I think I'm going to chocolate them them as one more thing. I'm just like, wow, eggs are awesome. I can just use yeah. them as glue for like putting a bunch of yummies together.
1: Oh
2: God, yes.
1: That's a that's a great. I love I love a good like bunch of trash and and some eggs in a pan. I gotta love a good pre- breakfast.
2: I've heard that there's something called a frittata
0: that's that's similar to this. So right,
1: it, you just stir less.
0: Yeah, like I don't think it's a new idea, but and I definitely went through a quiche making phase, which is not that far off. Yeah, yeah. It's basically that with some flour thrown in for structure.
1: One of my favorite things to do with uh, like I said, with a scramble in the morning is take like leftover Mexican food. Like if you have a oh.
2: half a burrito,
1: you just mm. uh, you chop it up into omelet sized or other scramble sized pieces, fry that up first in in some butter, and then add egg. It's works really well.
2: I miss <laughs> I miss California Mexican food. Maine Mexican food does not live up to California Mexican food.
0: Oh, I feel like I'm squandering our natural resources now. I haven't been out to Mexican food in months.
2: Well, that's, I mean, no one's been out to any food in months.
1: (laughs) I feel you because I miss Southern California Mexican food.
2: Oh, valid.
0: And now we just need to find someone in SoCal who misses Maine Mexican food. And the circle
1: will be complete. (laughs) Taco Bell's right there, buddy.
0: It's like lobster burritos. Why can't I get a lobster burrito here?
1: <laughs> Are we ready
2: for another topic?
0: Otherwise, this is just going to be like Egg Appreciation Hour. So
2: yeah, it's it's only me lamenting the fact that I live in Maine and cannot eat lobster because I'm allergic to it. So oh, oh wow yeah.
0: See, I I only can't eat lobster because I think it's creepy eating giant spiders that live in the ocean.
2: Oh no! <laughs> See, like again, it's the good kind of creepy.
0: So you're saying I should bring cold iron Next time I go to a lobster meal
2: Yep, yep, then you're good Presumably in the form of a fork,
0: I
1: suppose (laughs) Gone So my topic is Remember briefcases? People would just bring paperwork home with them To work more at home for free It's fucked up if you think about it
0: It is fucked up when you think about it
1: Do you,
2: like
0: I do not have a briefcase. I'll just put that out there right now.
2: Hallie? I have only ever had a laptop case, which was kind of briefcase-esque.
1: Right. I think this might be – we might all be too young for this. I mean, my dad had a briefcase. Still does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I guess some – like, people just put laptops in their briefcases now. Yeah. But, like – so, do your dad, like – have paperwork in it. Did oh God, it, like, yeah.
2: Did... I mean, my dad is a workaholic. Uh, he's a great guy. He actually just uh-huh. sent me a text about maybe doing an interactive fiction class together, which sounds really fun.
1: <laughs> that does that does sound fun. I don't know anybody who's done a game jam with their dad. That sounds yeah. like a special special thing.
2: I'm gonna have to think about that. So a lot of what he kept in it would be like his day planner before like cell phones were a thing. Mm-hmm. Also to take things from one office to another office but also yeah he brings work home all the time
1: yeah
0: my dad also had a briefcase and i have also not done a game jam with my dad although he likes to suggest game ideas there's probably quotes around some of those words and i haven't decided which ones yet i've never actually acted on them but he had a briefcase and he will sometimes just out of the blue tell me things like you should make a game Mm -hmm. where you've got a corgi and <laughs> you gotta get her somewhere to do stuff.
2: Is Sylvia involved?
0: Ah, uh, probably not. Uh, I do have a corgi in real life, which is probably where the inspiration for that comes from. She
2: is a corgi.
0: She is a corgi. She is the best corgi. She is laying upside down under the piano bench right now.
2: How is your corgi, Chris?
0: She got fed chicken tonight. <gasps> And kibble, but she just ate the chicken. That's fair. Um, and she's currently s- not really sleeping, but resting upside down under a table and looking pretty ridiculous. Oh. Pretty pretty ridiculous. It's it's kind of great having something that ridiculous just laying around all the time. I'm not going to sugarcoat it.
2: Yeah, no, no. I, I respect this about you. So my dad also had a briefcase.
1: I never found out what was in it, but he did tell me once about how someone tried to mug him, but only had a knife, and so he hit the guy with the briefcase and ran away.
0: So this was a battle-tested briefcase.
1: Yeah, which, like, looking back on it, like, he was very contemptuous that the guy didn't have a gun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Didn't even bring a gun.
2: Didn't bring it. Yeah, he brought he brought a knife to a briefcase fight. <laughs> what
0: kind of right. amateur hour mugging is this? <laughs> I hope he gave the guy a good dressing down afterwards too. Okay, so first off, have you ever done this before? What's your escape plan? Like, what are you going to do after you try to mug a guy with a giant blunt object in his hand, and he takes the obvious choice of just b- smacking you with it? Like, what's, what's plan two? Is it to get lectured by him? That seems to be it, because now you're just sitting there on the ground, and I'm telling you why you're bad at this. And I'm not even a mugger, and I can tell you're bad at this, and it would just go from there. That That's what I want to have happened.
1: I also want that to have happened. And in my head, it has now.
0: This is now my head, cannon.
2: So say we all. Have we
1: exhausted briefcases? I think we've talked as much as is possible to talk about them.
2: Yeah, probably. I have nothing more to add. There there was Uh, like an old Flintstones cartoon. Oh. Where where Fred was somehow like a CIA agent or like whatever the, the prehistoric equivalent. The
0: dinosaur equivalent, yeah.
2: Yep. And there was a song. That said, like, don't ask what's an attache. It fits in the briefcase. All agents have them. And whenever I hear someone talk about a briefcase, I think of that line, <laughs> and I have no idea why I do, or why that was part of the song, and or why I'm I mean, bringing you do it because up now. Yeah, that's fair. That's it. That's the only other thing I have to say about briefcases.
0: I just wonder, like, they're called briefcases, but are they really that brief?
2: Heyo. <laughs> So I don't actually
1: know the origin of the term, but
0: you don't use them for storing briefs, or at least I don't. No one
1: I know does. Apparently, that the the the, uh, the term briefcase originated uh, to describe the the cases lawyers use to carry their legal briefs. Yep, I guess legal briefs are a thing. All right, I retract my previous statement.
2: Yes, my father, my father is a lawyer, so that tracks.
1: I, it's a lot funnier if you think about it carrying underwear, though.
0: It is. It is. I'm gonna try to do that instead.
2: This is my boxer case. That's right. This is my bra case. Beef case or b- beef cake
1: or wait, <laughs> briefcase or boxer case. <laughs> oh, now I'm, now I'm thinking about like, uh, like the people in restaurants who would ask you if you want to sit in the smoking or non-smoking section.
0: <laughs> <laughs> boxer case or briefcase, sir. <laughs> yes. Remember the time a six-year-old asked president Clinton that?
2: I do not.
0: There was like this – he was like doing some, you know, meet and greet, like something there were a bunch of students around and he was willing to take questions from several of them and one of them was just like, boxers or briefs? And I don't actually remember what his answer was. I think it was briefs, but there was definitely a long pause and then, you know, the tizzy of daytime TV being like, let's interview this girl who has the – who had the chutzpah to ask the president of the United States <laughs> what he wears on his under undergarments. Right. You know, she was like in sixth grade, and she's like, I, "I, it was the thing that we talked about in sixth grade," and I just thought, "I, what else am I gonna ask?" Without. <laughs> so that happened. Gong.
1: For this segment, we are going to uh, watch.
2: I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We're excited about this. The title of this video is Every Time We Touch Detective Pikachu. Uh, We're going to watch it at one quarter speed. All right, so I'm going to count down from three, and on zero, we hit play. Three, two, one, play. Look at that slowdown. Yeah, an extremely slow fade in. Very unnatural. speaking of unnatural. Look (laughs) at
2: this adorable, chonky Pikachu.
0: So there's a a little bit of a story behind the video, behind the whole thing here, really. Uh You may remember there was a movie a while back called Detective Pikachu, um, which was based on Nintendo made a game called Detective Pikachu, which, as Nintendo often does, was like a weird, totally different game than what they usually do. But was kind of like a visual novel slash point and click adventure game, I guess, for you played a Pikachu who decided he was a detective, and with your boy, you'd go around and solve crimes or mysteries. Anyway, that was became like a sleeper hit popular thing, and they made a movie. And then the movie like turned out way better than it had any right to be based on its origins or premise, <laughs> and had Ryan Reynolds as Pikachu, and got a lot of positive hype because they were very smart about how they marketed it. And... Shortly before it came out, Ryan Reynolds himself posted a, quote, leak, unquote, on YouTube of leaked full version of Detective Pikachu. You can probably still find it. Uh-huh. It was two and a half hours of this. <laughs> a the, the Detective Pikachu model from the movie basically jazzercising.
1: Right. Um, yeah. It was
0: it was a brilliant troll. And of course, like everybody loved it, which of course made a whole bunch of goodwill and like it was a marketing coup for the movie because everyone was like, Oh man, what is this? Why is everyone sending this around? And kind of
2: like Ryan Reynolds has a history of leaking movies successfully too. Like that's how the whole Deadpool thing happened, right?
0: Right. And I I really should get around to watching, because I've I've heard it's actually pretty good, but I guess he made an extremely good Pikachu detective. And the movie as a whole just, you know, was exactly what it needed to be.
2: It really was. It was adorable. So is this in the movie?
0: No, this is not not in the movie, as far as I know. Uh, Hallie could probably verify that. But as far as I know, this is just a thing they rendered for Ryan Reynolds to have a joke at the Internet's expense.
2: If it's in the movie, it's very brief. The other entertaining
0: thing is there's a subreddit that I kind of enjoy called Shared Beats Per Minute. Where they mm-hmm. basically look for weird music videos or movies and songs that have the same number of beats per minute and then swap the audio so it still syncs up with the dance moves, but is something often hilariously different in tone. The The top of all time on there right now, I think, is – the song is Call Me Maybe – Uh, which I think everyone in the world has heard. And the video they synced it with, and it syncs creepily well, it's so good, is the video for um, Childish Gambino's This is America. (laughs) And the combination is, is kind of masterful, like it so good. I'm
1: gonna have to check that out.
0: But anyway, this is fr- this is from that somewhere on that someone was like, "Hey, Pikachu dancing syncs up perfectly with this song from Cascada, and let's do it." And so someone did it, and that's what you're watching right now. So
1: I want to talk about fur. My my uh, sense of how Pokemon look comes from the from Pokemon Go, which is the highest fidelity Pokemon I've seen. I would like. Like, there's pixel art, and then there's, uh, like, fong-shaded plastic 3D models. And then there's Detective Pikachu. Right. Where Pikachu is actually furry, whereas every character in... Okay, the, the video's bye over, Pikachu. by the way.
0: I want you to finish your thought, though, and I want to add something to it afterwards.
1: Bye-bye, Pikachu. Every Every model in Pokemon Go is the same, like, hard plastic. And... I always assumed that was diegetic. like you know, you look at Squirtle. Turtles are like hard and slimy or whatever because they're in the water, and so you would if you if you like touch a Squirtle, you would expect that to be the texture. But but then you look at Pikachu, and you're like, okay, Pikachu's based on a mouse, probably furry. But they look this like they're made of the same material, and I always read that as like, well, they're all this weird like inflatable plastic texture, but. If Detective Pikachu is to be believed, no, Pikachu actually is furry like a mouse.
0: So, in the cartoon, of course, everything is, you know, that kind of... I mean, it's not fog-shaded because it's not 3D rendered, but that kind of flat-shaded thing. But there are spots where... Pikachu's fur is like I think there's oh, at least yeah. one like one of the other trainers has a Pikachu that actually has a hairstyle heck <laughs> in the game, uh Pokemon let's go Pikachu, I believe you could actually style your Pikachu's hair mm. and of course evie is is like deliberately like designed to be fluffy, but i wanted to, one thing I wanted to mention about this so is another neat thing about detective Pikachu in my book is there's a fellow who spent a bunch of time. Like he has like a whole DVD art gallery of just he likes making what he calls realistic Pokemon, which is basically trying to draw a realistic animal that looks like it could actually be an animal that if it were turned into a cartoon would be a Pokemon. It's kind of like the reverse of it's kind of like the reverse step of making a cartoon of something. He's trying to come up with something that if simplified would look like that Pokemon. And since a lot of Pokemon have really weird features and just you know weird limbs that don't look like they should work or whatever stuck out he has come up with some interesting ways to make them work he actually i guess i don't know if he actually lives around here or not but i know i've actually i've run into him at the alternate press expo back when that was still happening and i think somewhere on one of my bookcases i probably have one of his books so i think i bought one from him one year because it was cool anyway i bring him up because apparently the people when they're making detective pikachu someone was like we're trying to make these things like inhabit the same scenes as people. Let's hire this guy. And that's exactly Uh what they did. And he did all the concept art for them. Wow. And I think that's a, just like a really cool little fan thing. Like what a, what a cool thing for him. Like he spent all this time just doing this for fun. And they're like, Hey, we're making a movie and we want the thing that you've spent years like thinking about and drawing. So, uh, money. Yeah.
2: That's really Cool.
1: Yeah, that's neat.
0: So anyway, he probably had a hand in that Pikachu somewhere or another.
2: Oh, yeah. Wow. I'm looking at these tart. I just want to talk about how adorably cute dancing Pikachu is. Just before. I don't want to lose that thought because uh, okay, he's adorable. Sure. Yeah,
1: we never actually talked about that part of it.
2: He's just his like baggy leg skin of that cute electric mouse just like jiggles up and down and it's it's just nice. The
0: baggy leg skin in particular, like that, that caught my eye too. Like it has the whole squirrel thing where like the whole lower half of the body is just kind of the sack with like legs yeah. po- poking out, and when he jumps around and stuff, it kind of like moves appropriately. And I don't know, it looked right for something.
2: It's Like parachute pants made of skin. It's great.
0: Oh, man, that's both creepy
2: and awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of my brand. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: If there was an MC Hammer Pikachu, the parachute pants would definitely just be part of the skin.
2: God, these realistic Pokemon images are really cool. Okay. He spent a lot
0: of time on them, and I think he's a fairly talented artist. So I was really happy when I found out that he was tapped for, like, an actual
2: movie. I didn't know that. That's really cool. Yeah, the Pokemon in that movie, like, that that's the exact reaction I had to them. Like, for the first... 10 minutes, I was like, they have real hair, and I don't know how to deal with that. And then, like, (laughs) they did it really well. It worked. I just was in that space, and all of a sudden, I was like, it was like I had named them after famous things. Like, all of a sudden, they became my new normal. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Nice callback. Thank you.
1: I'm accustomed to people who do, like, realistic versions of cartoon like being like the the realistic Homer Simpson thing or the realistic Mario or the realistic Mario, which are just like the most horrifying, yeah, yeah. but I think the difference there is that these are human faces, and human faces are not meant to be distorted like that, uh, or we don 't like it anyway,
0: well we have so much brain power dedicated to recognizing human faces and identifying them and classifying them and noticing all the like weird little details and about what makes faces different from each other that th- those like dive straight into our uncanny valley reflex and just start poking it with a stick
2: it's interesting i'm now looking at like there's an image where he sort of did a mr mime but it's more of a frog as opposed to the one from the the movie mm-hmm. where it's very much like just You know, a clay statue that was brought to life, but with like a little better subsurface scattering for the skin. They didn't do much with the realistic Mister Mime, except give him some dirt and grime texture, as opposed and. But the solution for the deviant art was make it not look human. Both of which are dodges on the uncanny valley thing.
1: Uh So, I'm I just did a search for realistic Mister Mime, and I am not happy about these results.
0: You knew what you were getting into. I mean, Mister Mime in it in it itself is horrifying. Like, oh yeah, that's yeah. that's not like a a thing you want outside of your dreams.
2: Sorry, there's there 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 are some realistic Mister Mines that are terrible.
0: Now I have to look for Mister Mime in
1: particular. Is this
2: like one that looks like a troll with his hands up against a shower door? That's yeah, the one I that's, found.
1: That's what I'm thinking of.
0: I don't need that one. Why are his feet, why are his toenails pointing upwards?
2: Yeah, my eyes wouldn't let me see that until Jim brought it up. <laughs> Does he
0: have stigmata? Psychic stigmata? Yeah, I think he might. I'm just going to go back to the uh, Detective Pikachu one. and Yeah, uh,
2: I like the frog one in the Obama Snow um, spread better.
0: That is another, you're right, that's a good dodge. And he even got like the weird hair thing by making them frog gills. Right? He's really good.
2: yeah.
1: Are we ready for another topic? Absolutely. So
0: what topic should we lord over next, oh topic lord lord? Gone.
1: Uh, Holly, your topic is the ethics of making a robot daughter.
2: So I sometimes threaten to make a robot daughter. You know, I kind of always wanted kids, Uh, ended up not really having them. And that's fine. That was a choice. And I end up like doing a lot of work with kids and that's great. But sometimes I want to kind of make a robot daughter in my basement. And the thing is like one of my favorite books is Frankenstein. And that always pulls me back from the edge. Maybe it's not a good idea to make a robot daughter in your basement. (laughs)
1: Like,
2: I think that the biggest piece of media I can think of to sort of, support my theme is that episode of next generation where data builds a robot daughter
0: uh-huh. <laughs> and the ethics in that one didn't make it seem bad at
2: all. No, it's not. So for those of you who aren't familiar with it, um, also spoilers for the episode of the next generation where data builds a robot daughter, he builds a, another, uh, Android like him, um, does not assign it gender. Um, let's, the robot sort of go to the holodeck and play around with different like bodies and see different species. And the robot decides that she is a girl, uh, and is human, and is named Lal, and is great. Like she's awesome. I fucking love Lal. And then like there's some instability and she dies by the end of it. Um, and it's real sad. And I don't want to make a robot daughter that dies in like the end of the episode. That would be super sad, right? But also, I'm not Data. If I built a robot daughter, I feel like I would miss something. Key.
0: I mean, spoiler. If you made a real daughter, she would also die. I
2: mean, that's true. But ideally, after I do,
0: ah, well, that's fair. Yeah, Data did outlive his daughter, which I guess is something parents don't like.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's on the whole not not sort of one of the what one of the things in the gig you try to avoid. Yeah, so
1: I've got some takes on this yeah, idea. Please, please do. Uh, the The simplest version is that making a robot daughter is completely ethical as long as you fail. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, as Does soon as-
0: having it die at the end of the episode kind as of fail.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I should be more specific than that. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, as long as. Like-
2: what degrees of fail? Like, there are degrees of failure here. <laughs> yeah, so... I
0: tried to make a robot daughter, but I failed and made the Terminator. But it's okay, because I failed.
1: If the robot daughter is not sentient, then you don't need to worry about things like slavery or murder.
2: Right, right. But what if she is, though?
1: Then you uh, are obligated to keep this... Like, if you're like in the debugger, I'm like debugging this brain... Uh if the brain is sentient and you hit stop by accident that's murder. You just killed that daughter.
0: What if you hit
2: continue?
1: Uh, then loads you save
2: data and pick up from the Then
1: you have resuscitated
2: your daughter. Yeah, so that's fine. So you just have to keep good version control and you're fine?
0: Well oh, my parents would love version control. My parents would have been <laughs> all over that.
1: Ooh. Yes, I definitely want to I want to uh, fork this uh version, <laughs> make some changes.
0: This one didn't really work out. Let's roll back.
1: You definitely run into like – you have to have really good – if you want to work on some sentient AI project where you never like commit murder, uh, that's actually – you need some really very specific procedures in place. Yeah. So it's it's difficult.
2: And I don't think I could do it alone. Like I don't think I could do it alone in my basement is I think – Like hearing what you're saying, I think is telling me in my heart what I need to know that, like, if I were to make a robot daughter in my basement, I shouldn't Victor Frankenstein it and just like do it alone and not tell anyone. Yeah. (laughs) Because then she's just going to murder everyone I love.
1: Well, you could program her not to murder everyone you love.
2: Could you, though? I mean, Victor didn't.
1: Yeah. Well, Victor wasn't Victor didn't have programming. Victor was just grabbing body parts that he found.
2: That's true. That's fair.
0: Yeah, I guess Frankenstein was kind of the bunch of stuff in a pan plus eggs version of a robot.
1: Right. Whereas Hallie wants to make the frittata version.
0: <laughs> ha- Hallie wants to make the, the like- make the savory French toast version. I want to
2: make the savory French toast version. Because, like, at the end of the day, am I really programming her, or am I teaching her? Like, is this a machine – like, if I'm going to build a sentient AI, chances are I'm going to use a lot of machine learning, right? So
0: this gets into a a pet peeve of mine, though, which is I kind of take the view that – I mean, we see this a lot with AI in general, but specifically with neural networks, there's this feeling that, like, oh, we're not programming it because – or, like, it's somehow a different kind of program because we're just doing something that's complicated enough that we can't look at the resulting neural network and just decode it by hand in the same way that we can, like, read somebody's program code. But that's that's still programming it. That's still – just because we deliberately made it complicated. It's teaching
1: it, certainly. Historically, we've considered, like, AI to be things we don't understand, basically. Like, as soon as you understand it, how the, how an algorithm works, how that's not considered real AI but we yep. have finally reached the point of AI where we can make a computer do something and we don't know how it's doing it. We
0: don't understand the algorithm, so it must be AI this time.
2: But I'm all for trying to understand the algorithm and, and being responsible for understanding the algorithm, right? Uh, but, like, it's still down to the data sets I pick. Like, it's it's still kind of grabbing a bunch of body parts and putting it in there.
1: Yeah, that's true. It
2: is, but on the other hand...
0: If you understood all of the pieces well enough, there's nothing that you could do with a neural network that you couldn't do through some other method of, like, you know, a giant decision tree. Like, this is a thought experiment ridiculous. Like, you obviously would never do this. But fundamentally, there's no reason you couldn't understand it well enough to do it without using a neural network but actually just understand all the pieces that the neural network has picked up through the training. And that's the thing is is that neural networks basically are a way that we – have figured out that we can program things without having to actually understand them as well as we need to. But I think that mistaking that for somehow not programming, well, is a mistake. I already loaded, I already said it in a loaded way.
2: Getting rid of our responsibility to the outcomes of the tools we make using that? Absolutely.
0: <laughs> I mean, but we're not we, – we still have the same responsibility, right? Like, I mean
2: – Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Agreement – uh, yeah, I absolutely agree with you there. We're not. I would not want to pull a Victor Frankenstein and say, well, she, uh, you know, give her a bunch of body parts and then say, well, she did it with those body parts. I didn't know that was a murderous hand. Well, I should have known it was a murderous <laughs> hand.
0: Man, why are all these hands that keep digging up murder hands? Why can't I find, like, baker hands or something? I want to make one that, like, just goes on a baking rampage.
1: There was this chatbot that apparently was very successful in China, and the instant that uh, they introduced it to Americans. 4chaners taught it how to say racial slurs and talk about Hitler.
0: <laughs> I can't decide if I'm proud or, or ashamed, but that's
2: amazing. I mean, I'm the person here who has taught high school students the most, I think. Which, like, yeah. Yup. Yup. Like, that's the same thing that happens to high school students.
1: 4chan, 4chan teaches them about racial slurs, exactly.
0: It's like, it's like Lord of the Flies, but like digital.
2: Oh, so you just try to make sure they get access to data sets and enough context around those data sets in order to not end up spouting racial slurs.
1: Yeah, well, the point was that um, the people who made the bot are definitely responsible for the outcome.
2: Yeah, but to what point? Because like, you this this then gets into like interesting generational responsibility issues like to what extent are parents responsible for the actions of their children and if that ends up being like a really complicated issue yeah that i don't want to weigh in on right now <laughs> at all
1: as a as a parent i also don't want to weigh in on that
2: yeah that's kind of why i figured i didn't want to so wanna... jim if your child grows up to be hitler is that your fault
0: uh this is specifically what you didn't want to weigh in. I won't Partly,
1: you. <laughs> yeah. I would definitely I would definitely feel some uh some responsibility for that. I think maybe the whole thing where like if your your grandfather is talking about QAnon, you can just never talk to your grandfather again. But like that only works for people older than you. For people younger than you, you have a responsibility to fix it. <laughs>
2: Yep. It's really tricky. It's a really tricky thing. I've definitely run into issues with that. My own self.
0: Who appointed you the QAnon police, old man? Flat Earth (laughs) forever!
2: Anyway, that's why I'm not building a robot daughter in my basement. You can just build a Furby. I was thinking (laughs) Tamagotchi. So, that's the thought, right? Like, I would never go further than building, like, a semi-sentient robot pet.
1: Yeah, just like a a, a chatbot with servo motors in it.
0: That wouldn't be creepy at all. <laughs> you can probably buy something like that online from the less savory parts of the internet.
1: Can I make it look like a Sylveon? You can, because you're never if you're not like trying to sell it, you can make it look like whatever you want, and Nintendo can't sue you.
0: I mean, check Etsy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sylveon, along long Furby.
0: I'm going to give this like at least a 50-50 sh- chance of coming up positive.
2: <laughs> I, no, but there's a there's a Furby with Barbie legs on it that looks very disturbing.
0: <laughs> I mean disturbing is kind of the base state of Furbies, so Oh
2: no. Oh no.
0: You're gonna have to share. You gotta this share is, it now. Yeah,
2: I'm gonna share. Well the problem is this is an audio medium, but I'm gonna share this and I want y'all to describe it for our listening audience. This
0: this seems like a burden too great to bear alone. What the heck? <laughs> Okay, it's a Furby molar. Yeah. Someone was like, you know what the world needs? It's a Furby in the shape of a tooth, except flesh colored. And setting <laughs> thought to deed, they brought this monstrosity forth.
2: This adorable handmade tooth Furby was saved from a home that no longer wished to care for their friend. <laughs>
0: This furb is not made of plush, but is instead made of breakable ceramic. It's not even plastic. (laughs) It even says at the top, long furby custom plush. Someone is selling someone a false bill of goods. I feel lied to. Also, I feel like I want to go look at something that's not this.
1: The tooth is hollow, and there's photos of it being filled with things. For example, a a Matryoshka doll.
0: There's also a photo of, like, a furby, like, a bat-winged... Oh no, those are ears. Like something's riding it, and they're meeting a fairy.
2: That is that Eeyore with a Furby head.
0: It, yeah, I think I think it is. I thought it was a rabbit, but I think you're right. I think that's Eeyore. Is this what madness feels like? <laughs> Here it is playing Jenga. Here it is stacked high with Matroska dolls. Here it is in a hot air balloon. Except it is the Why hot is air balloon it full
2: of corks.
1: This is only eighty-seven fifty. <laughs> Uh If we wanna buy this, then there's only one available so but if you wanna get this before the listeners do, you need to get it in the next six weeks
0: no- noted I feel like people pay eighty seven fifty for the mental state I'm having right now, just without the Furby. <laughs>
1: You could wake up to this thing next to you every night, every morning. Here's
0: here's one where somebody took Disney's The Beast and gave it a Furby hit. I guess this is just somebody putting Furbies in places they don't belong. Looking down below, it says Related Searches, and one of them is Long Furby Spine. Oh, no. Okay, uh, have you ever wanted a three-foot-long Furby f- Fluffy Snake? Yes. Well, my friend, the internet has you covered.
1: We could do a... Uh... A series of YouTube videos where we where we use it to teach children programming. Yeah. We've talked about that before. We, ha- we have.
2: <laughs> oh, here's one. Got it. Found what I was looking for.
0: <laughs> and this time it's not a ceramic tooth for the face.
1: <laughs> All right. Let's hear it. Oh, it's the Furby, Furby Sylveon.
2: Yep. It's Furby Sylveon. There you go. It looks
0: bad. That's kind of terrifying. Uh,
1: by the way, if you want to uh make a Furby mod, the um the Six Five O two assembly source code is out there.
0: I wonder if it has a vibrant modding scene.
1: <laughs> I hope so.
0: I hope so too.
1: I hope it's in MAME. I've definitely wanted to make uh, a virtual pet, but making a virtual like I I but I don't have like the hardware skills for it, so it would be something that would like I would put it on Steam, and you'd have to just keep it running, and that just makes it very awkward. Like it's it's a virtual pet that you would just check in on, like for thirty seconds a day. You'd run this Steam executable, and it would open up. It's very different from like a tamagotchi hanging from your keychain that's always there, or like a, a plush doll that's in your in the room with you that can react to to like noises you make.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's also that's the other reason I don't build a robot daughter. Oh, you don't want it to react to noises you make? No, I do. I just don't have the hardware skills. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. If I still had Douglas around, I might turn him into a long Furby. Oh,
0: I forgot about Douglas. <laughs> For those... Do you want to tell the story? You should tell the story.
2: No, you please tell it. You tell it.
0: <laughs> I hope I get it right. Um, When Hallie and I worked at Leapfrog together... We'd walk down the street sometimes to one of the many places nearby to eat because there were actually a pretty great number of good food places within walking distance of work, and sometimes we'd walk by a oh, one of those little like free take a newspaper stands where they would put the like weird neighborhood newspaper that's 90% ads for free to take and we walked by once and there was a the front page article was something about like has google gotten too big or something
2: yeah it's who's afraid of google it's a snake with like eight tentacles all of the which te- the tentacles are somehow both the tails of the snake and tentacles and they just have o's in them it it made no sense as a graphic
0: it was very weird but the snake had an amazing expression it was just like... It was a Muppet. It was like... yeah, Yes. And we liked it. And we uh, took it back and talked about it. And then...
2: I think... So the other part of this is that I also had a long... Like, Ikea snake. You know those Ikea snakes, listeners. And his name was Douglas. Probably still who is. had been named by my... Yes. Who... Uh, yeah, he had been named by my girlfriend at the time. And... It presumably still is his name. I don't think Douglas has transitioned. And so for my birthday, Chris gave me one of my favorite presents ever, which is he tracked down that newspaper, cut out that photo, and then wrote, like, keep on searching Douglas in it and gave it to me in a frame. And it was just an amazing <laughs> photo. It was. It, it is like one of my favorite birthday presents ever, Aww. genuinely. I think we have
1: <laughs> That's very good. Uh, so, I just want to point out that in the related searches uh, to Long Furby was Cursed Furby, which is excellent, but I'm afraid you're going to have to look at it on your own time because we are out of time for this oh, episode no. of Topic Lords.
0: Oh, well, at least we lorded some topics.
1: We sure we did. did. Chris, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet?
2: I'll
0: find them.
1: <laughs> Good. Good. And Hallie, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet?
2: Uh, Hallie underscore nine thousand. That's H A L L I E underscore nine zero 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 on Twitter. Also, this Furby has teeth in the middle, and it's not okay.
1: <laughs> there was one that had baked beans instead of skin.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is also what going mad feels like.
1: Uh, this is uh, thanks so much for being on.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for having us.
2: This one has glue sticks in their eyes.
1: Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com. You can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!